Hi, this is Areej Noor, and this is the podcast of Triple R's The Wrap, a weekly radio show weaving conversations about culture, politics, literature, art and music into a weekly mix. Broadcast live on Triple R from Kulin Nations land in Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and if you have any questions or feedback, feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. Ida Gunaden is a Turkish-Australian writer. She is a PhD student at the University of Sydney and her creative non-fiction explores class, class mobility, intergenerational trauma and diaspora. You can find her work in Miange in the Sydney Review of Books and elsewhere and she's just published a piece on The Lifted Brow called Your Life's Work where she essentially examines the way our lives have become our work. Ida, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Before we get into this piece, which is quite incredibly profound, it is um, super thoughtful and I've really thoroughly enjoyed reading it, I want to ask what piqued your interest in this topic? Mm. Um, Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think the really somewhat sad answer is, is that I have been obsessed. I mean, like, I know that what a lot of people and have really liked about the piece has a lot more to do with the creative industries more generally and memoir and the political economy of that. But also, I just love YouTube. (laughs) I watch so many vlogs, um, probably like hours a week, and and I mean, in a quite a shameful way, I've effectively looked back on that as a hobby and thought, well, how can I turn this into a piece of analysis, which in a way is what I'm critiquing in the work. Why do we feel the need to turn everything into, like, an output? Why can't we just enjoy our hobbies? So I feel like that's the main answer. But also, um, I happen to read a really nice and short little book called Do What You Love and Otherwise about success and happiness. I think maybe last year by Mia Tokumitsu, who's I think an Australian-based academic, and she really deconstructs, I think, this thing that hangs over a lot of people in the creative industries, which is that, like, we're doing something that we really like and we must do something that we love as a job because that's so much more meaningful. Um, And I think that leads to really messed up ideas about whether or not we should get paid for it, Mm. whether or not we have to love it all the time and absolutely every aspect of it. Right. And that's kind of the thing about work because often people tell you to turn your hobbies into work and it might sound like a good idea when you're posed that point, but, you know, it could be argued that it's a more sophisticated embodiment of capitalism. How does that manifest? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's actually what sort of freaked me out once I started reflecting back on the way that we talk about in my case, I'm a writer, but in the case of people who do YouTube or are influencers, um, we've sort of sold the idea that, oh, it's so cool if your job is literally just to be yourself because that means you don't work a day in your life. And I think it's actually the exact opposite. If your job is to be yourself, that means you literally never stop working, right? Because everything is a product. It absolutely is. And incorporating our private lives into our jobs really kind of blurs the line of when I'm, I can clock off. And yeah. in the lives of a lot of those YouTubers, the answer's like never. <laughs> yeah, like, and look, I don't know if, if you del- have delved into YouTube or indulged in <laughs> this, like, pretty 12-year hobby of mine, but it's so true. Like, I will sometimes sit there and watch 
YouTube videos of people who are like going to the dentist, doing grocery <laughs> shopping. And it's weird. It's like almost perverse that we feel such a strong desire to get into people's private lives. But I feel it too. Like from both ends, I really want to know a lot about people's private lives sometimes. And I hate that people want to know so much about my private life yeah. as a memoirist. And I guess I just want to touch on that aspect of it. And I think that's like you mentioned, is probably what a lot of people did get out of your piece. You know, we we kind of, there's an inherent way we expect writers of marginalised, in inverted commas, backgrounds to sell themselves yeah. or their work. Totally. How yeah. have you experienced that when it comes to that really kind of introspective memoir um, <laughs> place? As someone who likes memoir. Yeah, well, I think that that's, like, the the tension. Like, I certainly know a lot of people who are not into memoir at all, and they're like, I'm just not going to write any first-person pieces. But I feel like I sit on the edge because, and so do a lot of people, I, I really do enjoy writing memoir, both as therapy and as art, but I also do other things. And I think that there's been a tendency for people who are interested in my work, which is totally fine as well. I mean, I understand why it happens, but there's a tendency for people who are interested in my work to, like, hand wave <laughs> the fiction or whatever, and they're like, give us more of that juicy trauma stuff. <laughs> but, and again, it's like, well, I like writing it. So, yeah, I think in a way, you were mentioning before we came on air that I don't really have a lot of solutions to this problem because I'm really sitting in, in the middle of it, just like a lot of us are. Yeah, and I guess, you know, even if you've you know, friends with or hanging around with lots of people who do have some social capital or some social media following, you know, a a term that is coined sometimes around my friendship circles is that everything is content, like we got to make content. And that could just look like taking a photo at a place that we're at um, and then putting the phone away for to ensure that there's something to be posted at a certain time. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of get the idea that, you know, people are always on like there's no time where you're just you switch off yeah yeah and that is what is starting to freak me (laughs) freak me out a little bit like I mean I'm guilty of doing something that I talk about in the piece which is like maintaining two separate social media profiles one that's like public facing and meant to be super slick and brand building and then the other one where I dumped a lot of my personal life. But actually the boundaries are really blurred there and I think that it is like just purely alarming that things that we would have used to kept keep private, we don't keep private anymore. Mm. And it's also interesting that even these kind of platforms that we use like YouTube and Instagram um, you know, really gain so much from our content, right? Yeah. They they make a lot of money from our content um, and we are both producers and consumers of that content. And sometimes, you know, there's that quote of if you don't have to pay for it or you don't have to buy the product, you are the product, which yeah. is always a little bit scary to think about. But thinking about also yeah. what that our footprint when it comes to this, like, internet capitalism, digital capitalism might be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that that what you've just highlighted probably goes a long way to explaining why young people are probably feeling so immiserated. Like, I think that whether we're aware of it or not, to apply, like, a a Marxist lens to it, like, we are having so much 
value extracted from us every single day via the sale of our data. And so we produce a lot of content, as you say, but I think there's also all that hidden stuff about the fact that every time we um, post or every time we scroll, we're also telling the algorithm so much about ourselves and that's being sold to someone. I think a really interesting part of your piece or just reading it, just a general theme that probably, I don't know whether was intentional on your end, but was that I think a lot of us know this in some way, right? People kind of have this as an understanding. We know that we are probably working a lot more than we should be. We know that probably doing our hobby or doing something that we love as a job might not be healthy. Um, And yet I think it's becoming more and more advanced and sophisticated as the years progress and we become so much better at it and so much better at producing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's really inter- interesting. Like I'm, I'm starting to think that maybe I or people like me who've chosen creative industries is being this way of seeking liberation from the drudgery of, of work. And I, maybe I'm the most brainwashed one of all because I thought that was possible. Like maybe the thing we should be doing is not seeking liberation or happiness through work, but seeking that liberation from work. Right. And, and a point that you made in your piece also was that for us to experience or be able to enjoy our hobbies as work, um, there are other people who have to do the opposite of that to sustain that yeah. life for us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that, yeah, it's really important to acknowledge that in many ways we're standing on the shoulders of people who don't have the same privileges of us, as us, while at the same time also acknowledging that there's something really sick and twisted actually happening in the creative industries that doesn't mean that we're actually having a particularly good time, even if we're spending a lot of time making it seem like we're having a really good time. I um, can't kind of recommend reading your piece enough to everyone who might be listening at the moment because I think that, you know, it might be one that you read in two parts but it's also one that Mm. gives you the space to kind of think about where you position yourself in this broader conversation, whether you're a creative or not, but thinking about social media and all of these other things. What is – what's the answer? What should we do? Oh, I think – look, that that (laughs) is a – a million dollar question, yeah. <laughs> I'm very open about not having answers to, but I guess as I was writing the piece, I found myself thinking about the importance of maybe giving up the ideal, and it's been really actually freeing for me as someone who's been doing memoir for a while to just maybe give up the ideals of, quote-unquote, making it, mm. <laughs> quote-unquote, being like a special, unique, known name, like, maybe it would be okay if I just went to work every day and did something that I didn't particularly like and didn't force myself to believe that I liked it because at least I would get to go home at the end of the day and be surrounded by loved ones and have a lot of job security. I think that's the other thing about the creative industries that messes us up. It's really low-paying, mm. and that feeling of precarity is probably what causes us to feel like we need to never stop working. It's like a shark that can't stop swimming or like a bicycle where if you stop pedaling, you'll fall over. I think this piece has been is really important. I think um, one thing that 
we don't do within the creative industry or often don't have the luxury to do is pause and think. And I find that this piece, you know, articulates so much of what I've felt and I know that what a lot of other people have felt in these moments and kind of might give us the space to pause and think about our day-to-day work and what it means and why we do it and what we get out of it. Yeah, well, I'm so glad it's done that for you and other people because, honestly, I just thought I was writing a silly little essay about YouTube. (laughs) It was more than a silly little essay about YouTube and you can um, read it for yourself on The Lifted Brow. It's called Your Life's Work by Edda Gunaydin. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thanks, Heath. Edda is a Turkish-Australian writer. She's a PhD student at the University of Sydney and her creative non-fiction explores class, class mobility, intergenerational trauma and diaspora. You can find her work in Mianjin, the Sydney Review of Books and Elsewhere. And the one we were just talking about is called Your Life's Work and it is um, on the lifted brow. It is super interesting and I cannot uh, recommend it enough. I'm so excited this morning to have the Marindas back. We hung out in the studio was it last year or the year before? Possibly early last year. And it's so exciting to have you both back. I'm going to read you a little bio before we get into it. So Melbourne-based duo, the Marindas are a synthesis of warrior queen on trend style of electronic, expressive music dedicated to their cultural heritage and unprecedented on the Australian music scene, accompanied by on stage by the mastery of Jack Steele's mixing skills. Together they create an atmospheric fusion of an indigenous electro-tribal pop. We love it. Ooh. <laughs> welcome. Like, oh, that's a beautiful intro. Yeah, welcome. Thank you for coming in this morning. Thank you so much. I know. Thanks that for having us. I know that you're really um, – so there's a lot happening in the studio at the moment. So we're doing a bit of live. We're doing a bit of a few things are going on. Drinking coffee. Drinking like. coffee, sleepless nights. I know you are super busy at the moment. You're in the middle of a bunch of things. You've got um, an album coming out. You've got this yeah. tour happening. You've got millions of other things. And all of it you – you just do yourselves. Yeah. Tell me about where you're at at the moment. We kind of just make it our life, I guess. Um, uh, we've been uh, hard at work for the last few years, really. Just um, uh, we we source all of our own like funding. We promote all of our own shows. We make all of our own costumes. We we're building an amazing team around us um, of choreographers, creative directors, dancers and um, costume makers and so um, you know it's just fitting all the the pieces to the to the puzzle and seeing what works and what doesn't work and then also on top of all of that creativity just trying to fit into the music industry as it is you know in Australia as hard as it is you know yeah through you know radio and um, and just just the scene in general because um, we are a lot different there is nothing like us out there, so we, yeah. we find it hard to kind of fit into a genre, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. so we've been told. So we've been yeah. told. I yeah. was going to say, I feel like you are very much sure of what your sound is. Yes. Um, but maybe out there the boxes are not quite, mm. you know, broad enough for your sound and what you do. Yeah, mm. yeah, because a lot of our influences come from all parts of the world, mm-hmm. you know, and it comes from a real like hip-hop, R&B, soul background as well but then there's also that pop 
um, element as well, which we love because we grew up with the girl groups of like the 90s and we were like always aspired to like Destiny's Child, TLC, Spice Girls. Making little dances <laughs> yeah. with the cousins, yeah. you know, performing in front of the family. Watch our dance move that we've been practicing. <laughs> I know, I remember those days. Mm. <laughs> and it's pretty amazing because watching you perform, I've seen you perform live a few times at, at this stage. It really, whenever the Marines are performing, I'm like, yeah, I'll come, yeah. <laughs> I saw them, yeah, the other day, but I'll come again. And it's always so vibrant, the outfits, the choreography, and then you've got your vocal range and all of it. And it's such a party all the time. Mm. Like even I remember it was a while ago you were performing at Fed Square for something, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago last year. And there was just like kids dancing. People who were not dancing for most of that night were up on their feet and felt really kind of encouraged to engage and be part of this thing with you. Is that a really important part of what you do? Yeah. Yeah, it makes a difference. Like when we're on stage and we have people, you know, dancing to our music and... And we even get people up on stage with us sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, I, mm. yeah, I just love, I guess, what we say, like feeding off the energy of the crowd kind mm-hmm. of thing. But, um, yeah, it's really important that we engage with the audience with our music. Yeah. And we create a moment that people can come and have fun and um, just kind of just forget about your worries and just come and watch us. And we like creating those kind of party atmospheres, you know, because we're singer-songwriters, we've done a lot of many styles of songwriting in that as well but I think what um really makes us whole is when we see people having fun and dancing and so we kind of just dedicate our show to creating those moments and you've like worked in a lot of different contexts so you've got this you know you're the marindas in this context but you've also done lots of other types of performances working with people working Mm. possibly behind the scenes and not at the front of the stage working in all these different contexts is this is this the one that feels the truest to you yeah Definitely. Yeah, it mm-hmm. really feels at home here with the Marindas. Um, yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of solo stuff. You've done some solo stuff. We've done and backing vocals. We've done backing vocals for we've other bands clients. and we've been offered, you know, you've been offered acting roles, Christelle. Yeah. Um, I've been offered other musical kind of more um, arts administration type thing because that's kind of my strength as well. But we're just like, mm, no, I think we just need to take the time. We don't, you know, we do this full time. We don't, mm. We don't have time to you know, to work in an office. But, um, yeah, we just love it. So tell me about these workshops that you have been working on and, mm. you know, because it's not always only music for yeah. you. Yeah. What, what, are, what are they about? Yeah, I think um, we haven't done one recently. Hey, we're just trying to get back on board doing some workshops again. But we usually work um, uh, with the communities and we would – usually have about maybe 10, 15 girls uh, with Candice and I. Sometimes boys, it just uh, just depends because we have Brian, Candice's husband as well, Bright MC, on board with the workshops. So he does a bit of the hip-hop side of things and Candice and I do more of the music and um, we're very passionate about fashion as well. So Mm. we we tend to just have a really good relationship with the the girls and we have the Mm. whole – I think we run it about for pretty much a week 
or around three days to five days, just mm-hmm. depends. And then, yeah, we'll um, we'll get the girls to design their own costuming. Um, Candace sews it all while I, yeah, <laughs> while she's doing about fifteen uh, costumes that these girls designed, and then I'll go off and dance with the girls and do some like confidence building workshops with yeah, them. Yeah, go through modelling. Um, go through modelling, yeah. and um, you know, usually the first day is the hardest, but then it's it's really rewarding to see the outcome of the girls really opening up and. Um, you know, just being this confident little girl walking down the runway with their, you know, own costume that they've designed. That they've designed mm. and, and have worked with you guys on. Yeah, and then yeah. we would usually put on a performance at the end as well. And we usually mm. usually will sing sometimes even yeah. while the girls model as well. So Yeah, and the boys will make a hip hop track and Yeah, it's just a it's just really good to see the cha- what we can um do and see the changes with, with the young people and especially the girls. Um, you know, there needs a lot of encouragement with our um First Nations women, you know, and girls. Um and so yeah, we've just been kind of reaching out to remote areas. We've we've put a package together and we've just been sending it out to like shires and like lo- lo- local councils and mm. forming art centres and trying to see if there's any um people wanting us to come out and um, yeah. It'll be something we'll be looking at, kind of, I guess, setting up a fund ourselves to to go out, so then communities wouldn't have to kind of finance it themselves. But yeah, it's still all just sort of coming together, and it, it aligns really nice with our music. And we try and tell people when we're heading out to, um, say, Broome, like we're, we're on tour, we're going to Broome and Darwin, so we're trying to reach out to more communities around that area. Mm. Um, yeah. Why is it something that you prioritise? Because people often do music mm. and that's cool. Yep. These other things are not a usual part of this yeah. industry. Yeah. Well, it's something um, because where we are, we never had anything like that yeah. when we were young. And um, there wasn't much, um, you, you know, at all. And I just wish there was. And I just think, you know, if, if I if I was introduced to this stuff earlier, because I've always aspired to be a singer as a young artist, but I never got the opportunity to be involved in anything until I was like 16. Mm, yeah, that's the same. Like me living mm. out in um, a really small uh, town called Tamman, which is about two hours out of Perth. Um, yeah, like there was nothing out there. Like there was mm. one little primary mm. school and, yeah. you know, and that's where I first started music as well there. But, mm. you know, I mean, just like the little recorder. and th- But there was nothing like out there or no mm. one coming into our town to yeah. give us that inspiration or be, you know, I had to walk to the little post office and buy little tapes of, you know, Destiny's Child and... <sighs> TLC and all that sort of yeah. stuff. That was my that was that's what I was growing up to, yeah. you know. But there was no First Nations women out there to really empower besides my mother and, you know, other women around me, but just mm. artists in the music industry. But yeah, so I, for me. I know from experience, like workshops are very powerful and that can just change your life instantly. Like mm. everything that's given me a boost in my career, it's been from a workshop. And I'll just have to go like say one of the most important things as well is to have more programs like this to keep our youth occupied as well because there's a really high rate of suicide out in communities as well Mm -hmm. so um just giving something that these young people can hold on to and aspire to and work towards just just instill some hope and some confidence and and, that's the hardest thing i always say like after these workshops as well we just got to keep in contact as well because you can you know you can make their whole week just that one week like just lift their spirit up and then after that they're just going to go back to you know they could be inspired but then some you know can just go back to doing what they were doing you know Mm -hmm. and I remember doing our workshops out in one community in WA and 
after the, you know, we were about to leave, but I remember just seeing the kids just hanging out at like, I think it was 10, 11 o'clock at night, just out in the park. On the playground. Like on the playground, <laughs> like really dark. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, go home, you know, but some of them don't even have a stable home to go to. And just really upsets me that we have to leave and we have that connection because yeah. you build that relationship with them as well. And then I always just feel like we need to keep that contact or keep things running from there mm. or else it's just no point really. Yeah. Mm. And you are pretty independent in what you do. You're almost you're completely independent, right, in terms of what your yeah. work is, yeah. you getting your music yeah. together, you mm. organising your clothing, yeah. you organising your shows, your albums, mm. all of those things. You've got a, a team of people who work with you, but yeah. essentially it's it's you yeah, guys. Yeah, we got, we got a manager, um, um, Joel Hayward from August Management, and that's just because there's so much to do. Yeah. And we're all – we've all got a massive load with this project with the Marindas. Um, so like yeah. your project, like you're making our costume for tomorrow, right? Tonight. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm so tired right now. <laughs> <laughs> I really I don't know how you do it but you do and it it looks seamless on stage and it's pretty amazing that you work in this way and, yeah. and I think happening. that's what we got to stop doing making it look like we're just doing fine no. yeah. <laughs> because we, we, we are help. but it's like anybody out there with yeah. some hands to reach yeah. out <laughs> we've just got some endorsements for the first time so we're really excited for that well like I don't know what you call it like clothing uh, oh, offers yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that yeah, yeah. I'm going to play before daylight now yeah. and then a bit later on we've got a special track to play but we won't yeah. talk about it until then cool. triple R. before daylight we did just well i just got a um personal choreographed uh performance in the studio <laughs> which is really really great uh we love it and we're thankful and if you were in the studio you would also have a private show which is pretty oh, <laughs> amazing sorry. no you're right um so let's talk about this album before we talk about the tour and let's talk about what's happening after the album and all of these things so you've got something coming out soon when what's it called what's happening our album yes well (laughs) um we're just setting up our live broadcast here (laughs) i'm making noise i'm sorry yeah i hope that's okay but um yeah, we, uh, we've been working on our album for the last three years. It's taken three versions, three funding applications and um, three producers and, <laughs> and all that. Everything comes in threes. threes. Yeah, see? That's so strange. Um, is that a bad thing? Is that like... <laughs> and it comes out in March, right? Yes. So um, well, I'm lucky. what we're doing is um, we're exclusively making exclusive on tour. Like, so we've got hard copies that we're picking up today actually um and we're taking them on tour with us and we're launching it online early april so the tour is just about um uh just kind of sharing and promoting and working up to to the online release i think Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's the album we titled it we sing until sunrise because um it was the very first song that we released and um and it's our favourite song. It's always mm. still our favourite. We just, for some reason, we just can't. We're trying to it make something a hit. better. It was a song that <laughs> really, and I really think it did. It, it was a song that was played on radio all the time. Yeah. I could hear mm. it often. It was something that I would hum to myself. My friends' kids would just sing it. Like it became a song that was quite. 
beautifully like, popular. Yeah, it, mm. it's funny because <laughs> sometimes when I would see some of the girls that I was doing some acting with, like they'd just come up and be like, sing until sunrise. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the first thing they say, like when they see me and they just walk past me, sunrise. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> like, I need a new song. <laughs> like, no. That's all what we're getting all the time. It's so funny. It's pretty amazing though. Like you got yeah. it to that point and now you're releasing this album. Yeah. So is there like a story, a theme? What is there in this album that we can expect? Yeah. There's definitely a theme. So, yeah, there's a theme. Um, a lot of the – there's stories that are inspired by our dreaming stories or there's this kind of messages about empowering women or awareness about domestic violence. There's um, sort of everything that is us sort of combined in mm. just a small package. There's a lot more to offer and I think that will come out more in – the more albums that we do but um if we sing until sunrise um in christelle's language nyak nyukering yala waranka I'll, mm. do you want to explain no you're right oh okay um i just felt like i totally took that usually i hand it to this nunga girl over here um but yeah the the words um around that is like we're forever singing celebrating um our culture through dance music storytelling um and we're sharing, so we're sharing elements of our culture and we sing until sunrise kind of packaged that all up mm. for us and we thought, yeah, let's just go, let's yeah. run with that. Because we were thinking of like yeah. different names for the for the album and I think that one, as soon as we said that one, it was like, yeah, that fits yeah. just perfectly. And it's, you know, it's me- it meant something to us from the yeah. very start. So, and it was our very first song that we There's really a larger concept around that. And mm. um, what we're doing on tour is we're filming um, – uh, we're filming the tour to hopefully put into a documentary on tour yeah. just to show we're connecting our album and what we do on stage with um, our life as well. So we're going out to Everything Christelle's. Yeah, we're going out to Christelle's country. We're going out to my country and um, we're meeting family and we're going to go to the Kissing Trees so that Before Daylight track that we just played. Um, it's inspired by a dreaming story of these um, – uh, two trees that symbolise like they're intertwined um, in Perth. So we're going to go there and have a, have a look at that as well and film some of that. Um, and, mm. yeah, it's just like it's going to be like super fun and, yeah, it's kind of nerve-wracking because we're not sure. And it starts tomorrow. Yes. In Sydney. <laughs> so that's just like as an FYI. Eh? Yeah. The tool starts uh, tomorrow in yeah. Sydney, which is really very exciting and then we get you back on the 19th here in Melbourne yes. um, at the Brunswick Mechanics Institute and folks can jump online for tickets to that. I want to play We Sing Until Sunrise and then I want to play this single that I was sent yesterday. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is the Marinda's title track of their upcoming album, We Sing Until Sunrise. Okay, so for anyone who wasn't in the studio, I'm really upset for you because you've just missed out on the biggest dance party that's ever happened. We had three like of my friends who were here come to the studio. Shout out to Ntombi, Tseppi and Wanjay. And we just had a big dance party. But you can jump on Facebook Live if you want to go back and, and watch the rest of it. And I guess they're going to just hang out with us in the studio until we finish the interview, oh. which is very exciting. Um, I want to chat about this track i feel it that you guys <laughs> we're still dancing there's yeah, no there's, music but we're still dancing that's fine see but, that's, but that's, that's what the marinders does yeah right that's exactly. what you do exactly um tell me about i feel it before i play that one yeah so we um we're going to release this one which we sort of have on radio <laughs> but um you want to explain this this feeling like it's a, it's about a good feeling because there's a lot of good stuff coming our way and we we've 
worked so hard for for this and um it's kind of like that exciting feeling that you feel overcoming it might be like going out with the girls on the, mm. on the town or um you know you've been working so hard for something and you just feel like all this good energy coming your way but there's also uh, some words that we, we yeah so we put our language in in this yeah. song as well so the words are kwaba we're in bujawa which you'll hear in the song which means pretty much when your good spirit has just taken over your body and you're just feeling good and that's exactly what we want to bring when we perform this song and every time we do people do feel good mm. and and it makes us feel good and yeah it was like a last minute thing putting that language in um we did it as we were recording this song so yeah it just happened it came to us and asked my mum for a bit of language you know and yeah we put it together and it just came came mm. as this song so yeah. so this one's not out as yet but it will come out with the album um or will it mm-hmm. come out as a single I'll come out with the album. It'll come out with yeah. the album. It's called I yeah. Feel It by the Marindas. <laughs> I feel it. We did have another dance party in the studio. It was so much fun. And you can Yay. certainly jump on the Marindas socials yeah. if you want to see it again. See some choreography. <laughs> if you want to have a watch party. See the, if you want to, yeah. Uh, yeah, dance party here at get, Triple R. Get your friends together and yeah. sit down and switch the lap- laptop on and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> it's exclusive. Yeah. So you've got your tour starting tomorrow um, yes. in Sydney and then the 12th of March in Adelaide and then we have you here in Melbourne on the yes. 19th at the Brunswick's, Brunswick Mechanics Institute. What can people expect? Yeah, so we uh, it's a it's going to be a bit different to what the the norm is. So we've got the two backup dancers um, and we've got our DJ and I think what we're doing, like we're tying our stories together and our um, our main and our messages. So our messages is for female empowerment um, and just short, sort of sharing our stories. And we've got some spoken word in throughout the mm. show as well as some projections. And um, yeah, shout out to our sister Monica. Yeah, yeah. So there's some really beautiful, like, powerful messaging in the show. Um, and then it kind of flips in a way, and then it turns into like a party. So. Mm. Um, there's all sorts of things um, you can expect um, or packaged into one night, which is great. And we've got some fantastic support acts as well. Um, for Sydney, we've got Mira, who's it's just exciting. a massive fan. Wow. And um, we've got um, Ellie May for Adelaide, for Brisbane. We've got um, MC Tricks, Chloe and... Um, Did you youth arts? Yeah, and Garrett Lyon, Did you youth arts? And then we've got Cortex over in Perth. Um, and this young fellow in Broome, a uh, young hip-hop artist called um, Lyrical in- Instinct, something like that, I think, yeah. We've just booked him recently. So I'm just <laughs> um, and oh, yeah. no, that's first I yeah. No, I'm joking. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's going to be really amazing and um, we're really looking forward to taking our show to our hometown too, to Perth and, really and to Darwin amazing. as well. Yeah. Oh, it's been so much mm. fun hanging out with you guys. I kind of don't want this to end, but we have to because <laughs> the show ends. That we oh, really yes. like hit. Almost midday, <laughs> oh. and we just are refusing to let it end. But it's always so amazing to have you both in the studio. All the work that you do within community in your workshops, as well as all the music you do, and just being these really strong, independent 
um, oh, black women who and are just you too. Doing, doing this you really too. amazing work. Thank yeah, you. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having coming. us. So the 19th, if you want to make it down to the Brunswick Mechanics Institute, the Marindas will be playing. It'll be the yeah. album launch. Yeah. Um, tickets are very likely selling out or sold out, so I would highly recommend jumping yeah. on the website as soon as you can. Oh, yeah, local band Kihu are supporting us too in the Melbourne show. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Our we brother's Kihu. <laughs> thank you. Hey, a big, big thanks to all my guests today. Big thanks to Edda Gunaydan, who's a Turkish-Australian writer. She's just written this awesome piece on the lifted brow called Your Life's Work, where she essentially examines the way our lives have become our work. It's super fascinating and I think really an important read for creatives out there. And, of course, a big thanks to Melbourne-based duo, the Marindas, who are a synthesis of Warrior Queen. They are starting their album launch tour tomorrow, which is almost unbelievable that they're here with me today. It's in Sydney and then they head over to Adelaide before they come back to Melbourne on March the 19th at the Brunswick Mechanics Institute as part of the Brunswick Music Festival. It uh, will be a Thursday night and I think there are still some tickets available, so I would highly recommend jumping online and checking those out. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Triple R's The Wrap, a weekly radio show weaving conversations about culture, politics, literature, art and music into a weekly mix. Broadcast live on Triple R from Kulin Nation's land in Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and if you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website.